Right. Well, I hope you're enjoying the Alden Report as much as I am. I'm having so much fun bringing you cutting-edge information and from entrepreneurs, from thought leaders, from authors all over the world, and I'm really excited to announce something. I'm speaking this September, September of 2018, at the Future Tech Expo in Dallas, Texas. It's actually September 14th. 15th and 16th, and I'm speaking there. It's an amazing event. It's one of the biggest blockchain, Bitcoin, and tech expos in the world. People like Tim Draper and Randy Zuckerberg are going to be there, and you can rub elbows with some of the smartest people in this world. September 14th, 15th, and 16th. If you text Blue Vase, again, text Blue Vase to 555-888, you can be my VIP. I'm going to give you some discounted tickets, but you can also be my VIP. There's an opportunity as well to have dinner with me and my team, and we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about this world of cryptocurrency, of Bitcoin, of blockchain, and the future of technology. Again, text Blue Vase to 555 If you want to be involved in this world, if you want to grow in this world, if you want to take advantage of the biggest opportunity of your life, then you need to be at events like the Future Tech Expo. Again, text BlueVase to 555-888. I'll see you there. All right. Well, my name is Michael Alden. We are here in Blue Vase Studios. And yet again, I am super, super excited for my next guest. You know, I, I really love doing this because I love bringing people information that's going to help them information that you know you know that that you might uh, you know you might be kind of sitting on the sidelines and not able to make a decision and not able to move forward with some stuff and my next guest uh, is the author of a book called Ideas, Influence, and Income. Uh, she's also the CEO of this little-known company that I that I first learned about, I don't know, I think in 2014 called Greenleaf Publishing. I have to give you a little asterisk there. They are my first publisher, and it's an amazing group. Uh, and her book is really, again, it's going to talk to you about you know how to write a book, how to build your brand, and then also really how to, how to, how to monetize it. And, and I really love it because... There's a there's a there's a real gap there for for a lot of people. So um, please help me welcome Tanya Hall. Tanya, thanks for being my guest. Oh, absolutely! Thank you for having me. So uh, again, first of all, uh, it almost seems like you know what you're doing because I love the I love the title. I love the cover. It's clean. It's like it pops up. Uh, you know, it jumps out at you. So kudos to that. <laughs> well, thank you. I better get that right if I'm running a publishing company. <laughs> So, uh, you know, so again, you're the CEO of Greenleaf Publishing. We're going to talk a little bit about them and their model uh, in, in a bit. Um, but, but tell us about your background, you know, and how you first kind of, you know, got into this um, ever-changing space of, of book publishing. Sure. So my background is actually in broadcast television. I'm from Los Angeles originally, and I worked in the the hard-hitting world of entertainment news. I was at Extra and E! Cable Networks for many years. And that's really where I sort of cut my teeth, as they say, especially how I learned um, just how media works in general and, of course, the art of putting together a story that matters for the right audience. So that's my background. I landed in Austin, Texas in 2004 and kind of just accidentally stumbled into this role here at Greenleaf Book Group, which at the time was, I think, four or five people and very much a startup. And... um, I saw it at that time as just a first step into the job market here in Austin, and I really didn't think I was going to stay because, as you might imagine, a little tiny publishing company wasn't paying much at the time. Right. <laughs> 
And um, my role back then in distribution was really about opening up the retail channels for the titles that we represented. And I just fell in love with the challenge. And uh, I'm the person who built that part of the business and opened up our relationships with the airport markets and international markets. And then, of course, later, the digital side of things. And uh, over the years that followed, I just sort of worked my way around the company. I, I would It's a small organization, so it's not the, your typical ladder up. But I went into uh, sales for a bit, and then I did marketing, and then I was COO. And then in 2014, I became CEO. So I'm blessed to have this amazing job where I work with incredibly intelligent people. And then, of course, my authors who are not only very intelligent, but super accomplished, and they all have the most amazing stories to tell. And so it's very purposeful work. Yeah, you know, that's such a great story. And, and uh, you know, there are there are so many different ways to become, you know, the leader of an organization. But I think, you know, your trajectory and how it all happened is really the best way, right? Because you've literally learned and built and know virtually every aspect of the business, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's funny, you almost take it for granted sometimes, especially if you're training someone new. <laughs> you just have so much perspective on how it all fits together. And you don't realize for a moment, oh, this person has no idea how this voodoo magic world of distribution works. I need to back it up a step. But yeah, it, that having that perspective just makes um, some of the harder decisions that come with being a leader a lot easier. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about some of the hard decisions uh, uh, in a while of being a leader because it, it, it is not easy. So, um, you know, your book, Ideas, Influence, and Income, uh, it's, it's great, like I said, because having written, you know, now a total of six books and, 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 and own a marketing company, I, I remember when you and I first met, and I got to be honest, um, probably I was, uh, I was probably not the nicest. I was a bit of a jerk. So let me apologize for that at first. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, and also I'm wearing uh, uh, my Ask More, Get More t-shirt uh, as well. So uh, that's kind of cool. Um, so, um, you know, th this, this world uh, of publishing and, and, you know, where it is right now, um, so many people say, oh, well, I want to write a book, right? I love your story about, you know, sitting on the, on the plane. And by the way, I'm the same way. I'll talk to anybody, right? I'll, sit and, I'll be <laughs> sitting, sitting next to somebody on the plane. So um, if somebody has an idea for a book, let's kind of like start this. So I want to write a book. You know, wh wh where's the first place I should start? What, what should I do? Because people ask me that all the time. They say, well, what should I do? And I give them certain advice, but I'd love to hear from somebody who knows a little bit more than me what, what they should do. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll caveat it by saying, of course, it's, probably a different answer for everybody because people just create differently. But I think having watched many authors move through this process, what I think is the most efficient way is to sit down and really just do almost um, a SWOT analysis to take a cue from the branding and marketing world and figure out like what is your message uh, who are you trying to reach and get that as dialed in as you can and once you know what that message is and what problem you're solving for somebody in the case of most of my authors but you could also be just looking to entertain them um, to really understand who your reader is so you know who you're writing to I think that just saves so much time down the road and reworking things from an editorial perspective so that's often the best first place to start and sometimes you need someone to come alongside you and help with that and that's totally fine because again Again, sometimes we're just so close to what we know it's hard to <clears throat> be really uh, fair about those decisions and those assessments. And then from there, I would highly recommend doing a detailed 
outline. And I talk about this in Ideas, Influence, and Income, and there's actually a pretty robust example in there. But that outline is your heavy lifting, and it should be a really logical framework for how the content in your book will flow. And once you have that, it's easy to just sort of follow it and go in. And in my case, I sort of skipped around my outline and just wrote sections that I felt like writing on any given day. But that will um, definitely give you, again, a framework to work through. And it also helps to expose some areas where maybe you're a little bit light on content. And you might need to, to fill that in with, let's say, a case study or um, an interview with somebody else who's an expert in their field if you realize, oh, this is an important area for me to cover, but I really don't have that much to say myself. Yeah, you said so many things in there. Uh, I'm just having flashbacks of when I when I first had had my interaction with Greenleaf, and it was it was it was awesome. Um, the first one of the things you said was you know having somebody help alongside you. And when I first got my deal with your company, um, one of the first things that you did is you is you uh, paired me up with uh, with an editor, Chris Benyu, right? And uh, so we know both know Chris, and uh, and it was great because one, you probably figured out my personality and figured out that he was a, a great fit for for me, but but really, what he, I mean, like you said, he 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 was like a he was truly like a coach. Uh, and a therapist and everything else, uh, including an editor. And he really helped kind of draw out the stories, right? Because I think when you're first writing the book, a lot of times, at least for me, I was I was kind of holding back. And when you have somebody else that's, you know, that's, you know, a vested, you know, they have a vested interest, but they're not you, they can kind of push you along, right? Oh, absolutely. And that that's a pretty common phenomenon. I think for various reasons, um, one of which I'm super interested in lately, which is called the imposter syndrome in business circles. Uh, sometimes people will hold themselves back, whether it's because you're not quite confident that you should be the one writing about a certain subject or just because uh, for whatever reason you have a mental block that's saying this is hard, don't start it because it's going to create more work. <laughs> right. There's and, and sometimes maybe just because you didn't think of a certain uh, piece that really belongs in your book and the editor serves as a proxy for the reader. And so the editor is is actually just uh, a key player early on to help you, again, craft that flow and the tone and the message so that your reader gets everything that you hope they should receive from the book. Yeah, and it's uh, for me, it was just, it was such a great experience. Um, and, uh, you know, it really... You know, because again, when you first write a book, right, it's like, well, like kind of what you just said, am I an author? I mean, I mean, am I an imposter? Should I even be writing about this? And you, you know, there's all these things going around in your head and, and, and you know, you kind of have somebody alongside you uh, that's maybe done it before or really kind of knows their stuff. Uh, and it, it helps a lot. And I tell you, it was tremendous uh, for me. And it, and it really, it's amazing to see, you know, when you go from the outline to the finished product and, and, you know, where it is. And let's talk about that process for a little bit again. And um, if you don't mind, I, I'd really, I just, I'd love to just really spend as much time as I can to pick your brain about this stuff because so many people, again, oh, I want to write a book. Okay, well, great. Well, let's, 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 let's show you what it's really like. The outline, okay. Um, that part there um, that you, like you said, that's kind of, that, that is really the key, right? You really have to just, and what and when when you say outline, it, what do you what do you recommend people do? Do you recommend pe like a data dump? People just start writing things down. How should someone go about? Uh, I know you talk about that a little bit in the book, but how should someone really go about starting that outline? Yeah, I think the most common and to me the most straightforward way is the same way you were taught in um, probably either elementary or 
middle or high school, which is just the typical outline of your chapter. In this case, your chapter would be sort of subject one, and each chapter should have a very specific focus. And then from there, you have your sub points and then the supporting points that go under that. And so it's just like you did in high school when you had to essay outline or excuse me, outline an essay or a term paper. Uh, and yes, there is an example of that in the book. Uh, other people get more creative and they'll use things like post-it notes or index cards. And I've seen some very visual outlines done that way where they'll write these major key points down on the, the sticky notes or index cards and they'll either tape them to the wall or they'll have them spread out all over the floor and they'll sort of move things around um, again, in a very visual approach to outlining. So, oh, and I've also seen people use mind maps, you know, these sort of big whiteboards that have meandering circles all over the place and lines that only the author can follow. But it doesn't really matter how you get there as long as eventually you, you've figured out some sort of a flow for the book. And that's when the editor can, of course, step in and help you fine tune it. Yeah, the key, right, is to just start, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, awesome. You know, in a second, I want to, I want to talk to you about so many things, but I just, I want to jump maybe into maybe marketing a little bit, uh, in just a second, folks, we are on with Tanya Hall. She is the CEO of Greenleaf Publishing. She's also the author of her latest best-selling book, Ideas, Influence, and Income. Write a book, build your brand, and lead your industry. It's, it's an amazing book. Again, a lot of people talk about, you know, I, I, you know, I have a book or I want to write a book, but you just don't know where to start. This is a great book to first start. Pick this book up, take a look at it, read it, and then help you kind of, you know, get your brain going. It's available everywhere, so you can just, uh, you can just literally Google it. Um, you know, obviously jump on Amazon, Books A Million, uh, you know, any of the indie books stores as well and also uh, of course uh, Barnes and Noble. If you want some more information about Tanya, you can just go to ideasinfluenceandincome.com. She's also on Twitter at Tanya Hall. Just Google her. She's out there. She's been doing this stuff for a long time. Great, great insight from a truly from an industry leader uh, and someone who started from the ground up. So she really kind of knows her stuff. So again, just um, take a look at that. Um, take a look at the book uh, and uh, pick it up. All right, cool. So um, Marketing, right? You know, uh, when should someone start to think about marketing their book? Oh, man, uh, as early as possible. And, and you know this better than anyone that there is no too early. Right. <laughs> so I think it's an area where people tend to underestimate uh, not only the amount of time that it takes, but the importance of being strategic. And again, I talk about that a lot in the book, but uh, there are opportunities, for instance, to for my business authors to do things like incorporate case studies with some of your major corporate clients as examples of maybe how you put your philosophies or your business practices to work. And so many of my authors have been smart about using those case studies to bring in examples of clients who then in turn buy huge bulk quantities of the book because some best practice that makes them look good is included in the book. So they buy one for, you know, all their key employees or managers or whatever it may be. So that's marketing. You know, that's, it's good content, but it's also marketing. And I've seen other people do, um, you know, really intelligent campaigns before the book is even outlined uh, in terms of just getting people excited and uh, getting them amped up about pre-orders and, you know, commit to buying this quantity and I'll do a webinar with you and commit to doing this other quantity and I'll come and speak to your organization. So uh, there's really no such thing as starting too early. I think that time and time again, when the book launch comes around, 
the number of interview requests and new articles that people want you to byline and podcasts and all of that stuff, it overwhelms authors. And sometimes they shut down. Sometimes they just kind of slow it to a trickle, which is a shame because you have one opportunity to launch that book. And the more successful we are in that launch, the more opportunity we have to widen your retail distribution, which is, of course, the name of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, so many gems in what you just said, and I know you could probably talk for hours on each point, but yeah, I mean, in the, the, the kind of the last point you said, you, you only have one chance to launch your book, right? So once that happens, that's it. Your book is launched, and then, you know, so that lead-up time I think is so important, and, you know, having, you know, starting out as a naive author and now written, you know, several books uh, and learned the, the hard way a lot of times, really what it takes, uh, you know, you have to start, I think you have to start thinking about marketing a book before you even write the book um, because a lot of authors, you know, there are so many great books. And, and I think about this, and you, you'd appreciate this. You walk into Barnes & Noble, right? Unless you are already a celebrity or you already have, you know, you're already like always on the news or you're, you know, you're on television all the time. You walk into Barnes & Noble, no one's going to see your book unless, again, you're paying big money uh, to have, you know, product placement. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But you got to start early, right? I mean that I mean because you could have you could have the best book in the world but no one's going to know about it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I it's funny sometimes authors say, uh, gosh, I'm worried about somebody reading my book and ripping it off and plagiarizing me and <laughs> ripping on my idea and we always say, should you be so lucky? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's um, you know the stats are remarkable in terms of the just the volume of books being published every day. I think it's something like 3,000 books a day. Wow. So just to get it into the Barnes and Noble is a feat. And then from there, of course, yes, to get someone to look at it, to pick it up, to turn it over and read that back cover and then to buy it. Uh, I often tell my authors, you're not asking for $20. You're asking for two weeks of somebody's time, which is maybe even generous in terms of how long it takes someone to read a book. That's a really big ask. And it's a very different ask than $20. So, uh, Yes, the the challenge of getting someone to care about your message in a landscape that is, as you know uh, very well, just so cluttered with um, all kinds of media, whether it's articles and podcasts and cable TV and magazines, there's just so much out there that you really, and that this underscores the point of being strategic on the front end, you have to be so deliberate about how you craft that message and figure out who you're trying to reach, and then start as early as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember when I first talked to your team and, and you know, uh, you know, having this big marketing company and, you know, I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing and I'm like, I, we are going to release as a number one New York Times bestseller. I'm like, I remember meeting with my team. We're all sitting around I'm like, this is what we're going to do, you know, uh, and little did I know really what that takes. And so, so, um, haven't hit pretty much every other list except the New York Times. I'm not bitter, Tanya, about that. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so how important – see, you know, you, your, your book – and we'll get – I guess I'll maybe I'll lead into it. But so how important really are the lists for, for, for someone who is trying to um, build their brand? You know, is it really that important anymore to be a New York Times bestselling author, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, um, for, for trying to build your personal brand? I think it depends. Uh, as that's my answer for a lot of things, of course. But thanks, I thanks have, for being uh, noncommittal. 
<laughs> I, I have some authors, you know, like you come in and that absolutely is the bucket list goal. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Whatever drives people, I'm all for. In terms of that turning into additional book sales, no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, I see it all the time where someone says, oh, well, I hit the list. So therefore, I'm going to sell a zillion more copies mm -mm. Uh, because a bunch of other books also hit the list. And, and frankly, nobody cares. Right. The opportunity. Oh, that hurts. That hurts just hearing that. But I keep but going. You, right. You, you know I'm right. <laughs> I know. Mm -hmm. Nobody does care. I know, and that's a hard pill to swallow, but right. I think where it does become valuable, especially if you're a speaker or a consultant, it's a differentiator for sure. So if you can say uh, amongst this world of marketing gurus or sales experts or whatever world you operate in, I am the New York Times bestselling author of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that means something, and that helps a meeting planner or um, a, maybe a journalist or somebody else to put you on the top of the list in terms of the experts they're considering. So in that regard, I think it, it is valuable, and it can add something to your brand. Yeah, it definitely opens doors. Um, but, you know, the one thing for me, I think, too, as a, you know, that, that I, I – you know, especially in this world of on-demand, uh, you know, services um, where you can, you know, essentially just anybody can can publish a book. You know, the legitimacy factor in your brand of having a real publisher like Greenleaf, I think, is in and of itself uh, a big deal, right? Like way more yeah. than just the self-published type thing. And I'm not taking anything away from people, but I'm just saying if you're a if you are a published author, let's just be honest here. It it is it's going to have more weight than if you just you know put your book on Amazon. For sure, and and, and like you, I'm not trying to d be dismissive of the self-publishing side of things because, as you know, in our business, we draw a lot from that side. Right. The the problem of in self-publishing, and and I think anytime there's sort of a democratization of an industry. Anyone can do it and everyone does. And so the quality starts to really drop because anybody who's creating a book in a vacuum by themselves doesn't have a team of experts to make sure it looks the way it should and it reads the way it should. And you you see that in the quality of the stuff that is self-published. And that's why most self-published authors have a very hard time getting into retail because every retail buyer looks at it and goes, mm -mm, it's not up to our standards. And they're dealing with so much volume that they don't have time to find the few that are produced well. So they have to turn to brands they trust like Greenleaf Book Group or a big traditional house who has a track record of quality. It's just like credit. You know, we've already got credit with them. So they say, yeah, your books are good. We'll bring it in. That's why we have such luck with uh, airport placements. You know, so many of our books make it in because we have uh, a reputation and relationships that we have spent many, many years building with those accounts. So I think that means something. And, and it's my personal opinion that going forward, they will become increasingly important as that uh, volume continues to increase on the self-publishing side and readers struggle to find something that reads well and isn't full of typos and <laughs> frustrating, you know, glitches in ebooks and things like that they don't have the patience for that so they'll start turning to brands that they know stand for quality and uh, good experience yeah you know it's funny so i first learned of greenleaf when i had the idea of writing my first book ask more get more and i was at the uh, i was at hudson news and uh and you know uh i picked up uh, i think grant cardone's uh book uh -huh. was and i said and I read that book. I think it was uh, might have been Seller Be Sold, maybe. Seller Be Sold, yeah, that's yeah. The one. And uh, and I said, you know, I read that book, and I was like, you know what, um, it, I like his book, 
uh, I'm going to go to them. And you were the first uh, publisher that I went to with that, and it was such, an, uh, such a great, great experience. And actually, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if you re- know, but when I got the, quote, acceptance letter from you guys, it was like a 20-page yes, but it, it was literally, literally <laughs> like, I mean, when I say 20 pages, I think it was at least 10 pages. And the whole thing uh, was uh, basically telling me that I needed to rewrite the book. And I remember like, oh, <laughs> man. But they said yes, so it was so cool. But I found you because of your – because I literally – on the business section, every other book that I picked up was Greenleaf. And I was like, who was Greenleaf, you know? Um, and, uh, and so that's kind of how I found you. So that's kind of a cool story. Maybe you can tell your people that, that uh, that's how this author uh, came about <laughs> finding you. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. Yeah. And, yeah, we do uh, – that business section is like – Greenleaf section. <laughs> yeah, it is. And and by the way, you know, again, so if those of you listening right now, again, if you're if you're an author or, or, or you're looking to write a book, it is so important, especially in the business world, uh, to be there because that's where all the business travelers are. And, and, and not only that, but like you said, the credit you guys have, you know, we um, – you know, I, I took advantage of that and leveraged your relationships. And I remember being, you know, traveling all over the country and it was kind of a cool thing and seeing my books everywhere next to guys like Grant Cardone. And, and at the time, Ryan Blair's book was um, uh, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain. I remember seeing, you know, and Tony Robbins had a book and my book was right next to, you know, some big name people, uh, all because of, uh, you know, Greenleaf's, you know, uh, publishing uh relationships and and prowess so um it was uh, it was just awesome in, in a second so i want to talk um next about you know the branding side of things you know for 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 the individual because again i think the legitimate legitimacy aspect of having a book uh, is really really super key uh for someone's uh brand and obviously you do as well so folks we are on with tanya hall she is the ceo of greenleaf book group um she's also the author of her latest number one best-selling book Inc- excuse me ideas influence and income write a book build your brand and lead your industry you know uh it, it's it's something that that you know one you know I, I'm definitely a little uh, biased because they published my first book and she was great with me and her whole team was great and and I learned a lot from them but I, I you know th- there's I believe that there's a big gap uh, in the publishing world for uh, you know between authors and marketing and really what it what it takes uh, to also build your brand you always see these memes everywhere on you know Twitter Snapchat Facebook talking about building your brand um, but you know this is what they do here at uh, Greenleaf if you if you want to build a brand and you do have a great story um, they're a great organization to go to and also Tanya uh, she's been doing this for a long time and her background is obviously pretty diverse starting out in television and then moving into publishing so if you want some more information about her, you can just go to ideasinfluenceandincome.com. You can also find her at Twitter at Tanya T A N Y A Hall um, on at, at Twitter. So, um, obviously, pick up the book. Don't forget to do that, people. Uh, so, um, you know your brand, right? People always talk, "Oh, build your brand, build your brand, build your brand." Let's talk about brand building. Um, you know, give us your insight on on that as as a. a um, as somebody who who struggles myself to try to build my own brand and, and um, tell us, give us some, some gems of what's in the book, what people are going to learn when they pick up ideas, influence, and income. Sure. So, uh, yes, having a brand, a personal brand is important for many people for many reasons and, and not just people who are on their own as speakers or consultants, uh, thought leaders of various sorts. It also can be somebody who is in the middle of a huge company. And, you know, it's, it's a way to set yourself apart. It's a way to differentiate yourself. And it's a way to plant a flag for whatever it is that you are an expert or um, 
maybe you're just passionate about something. It's not even that you're an expert, but you feel strongly about bringing an idea forward to more people. So having that brand, um, of course, starts with knowing your audience and your message, just as we talked about uh, for the book, and doing a traditional SWOT analysis, strengths, weakness, opportunities, threats. I'm a big believer in laying that groundwork, not only because it helps you get clarity, but it also helps to unify anybody you bring on to help you. So the more that you can say to your editor or your designer, um, here's who I am and what I'm trying to say and who I'm trying to reach, the clearer and more effective I think all of the resulting material will be. Uh, and then from there, it's it's building an audience and creating connections. You know, it's uh, a key part of marketing for anything, but especially for a book, you really want to create that dialogue and be authentic and hopefully uh, keep them within your community so that, you know, like you, Mike, you do books two, three, four, five, and six, you've got this built-in audience base that makes it a little easier each time you launch another product or, you know, it doesn't even have to be a book. So uh, I'm a big believer in it. It's it's one of the reasons I wrote the book because people started to say to me, when are you going to walk your talk, Tanya? (laughs) You keep talking about how important a book is for building a brand and you haven't done it. So I realized they are right. And it's just been an awesome experience for me to feel the power of the book doing what it's supposed to do. Because now, just like you, I have people who picked it up in the airport and I get these notes on LinkedIn that they read the book on the plane and it really helped them and they want to talk to me about their next book idea. So it is definitely a way to extend um, your brand into the world. And then I, I would also add that I think not everybody should write a book. And there's a question I get sometimes in Everybody thinks they have a book in them. Do you think that's correct? No, I don't. I think some people have content that's better suited for perhaps video or maybe short form uh, structures like blogs or um, essays, manifestos. Not everything deserves to be a book and so you shouldn't necessarily force your content into that because we've all been frustrated with a book that had two chapters of substance and then eight chapters of fluff and you're you're not going to gain any fans or buyers that way so uh, i think it's important to not push yourself if if the thing that you're working with isn't right for a book structure don't push it that way wait until you have something that's meatier and an editor again can help you figure out if that might be the case for you yeah, you know, it, that's so hard to do because I know that you also blog as well. You blog for Inc. and uh, a couple others. And so uh, do you uh, sometimes, I mean, you know, I've written some great, I feel like I've written some great stuff. And I'm like, man, this would be, this would go, <laughs> this would be great in a book. You know, how do you, <laughs> it, it, like, how do you just, I don't know, it's hard to, to separate from that, you know, and say, well, I think it should be in a book. You know, like, is it, what do you, what, what's your thought on that? You know, uh, how, how do you know that? what I'm writing is really not for a book. Is that, is that something that you leave up to the professionals like you? Is that something that eventually I get to you and, and then you crush my dreams and say it's not a book? <laughs> uh, sometimes, yes. I would say that's where that outline really comes in handy, where if, if you force yourself to sit down and think about you know, typically 10 to 12 chapters, you're aiming for um, 60,000 total words. And if you look at that outline structure and realize, oh my gosh, I've got three chapters nailed and the rest of it, I have no idea what I would say. Uh, you, 
it's probably not right for a book. And again, an editor will help you sometimes to say, actually, no, you've crammed so much stuff into these three chapters. It actually is 12, but right. you just shoved it all into three. Uh, you really need that person to who, who is an expert in that work to help you sort through that. Uh, but then I would say don't get discouraged if it's not right for a book because that will come. And it might just be that you need to sort of flesh out that idea and bring in some additional perspective before that happens. But uh, better to do that than to, again, force some you know content that's really not robust enough into a book. Sure. Yeah, uh, so I, I want to um, ask about – I want to talk about some of the some of the basics too of like getting, getting to you. So um, – I'm guessing you probably didn't get an agent uh, and didn't shop the book with anybody since you're the CEO of Greenleaf. I'm just guessing that you did probably. Right, that would have got me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya Hall, CEO of Greenleaf, uh, published by uh, Penguin. Um, that would be bizarre. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so th- there is uh, so in this world, right? So there's definitely agents um, that can help. But um, one of the things. Um, that I found very helpful again from uh, you know the gentleman that introduced me uh, to you, Venue. Uh, um, oh, was it, was it the other one? Yeah, you introduced me to Chris. Um, mm-hmm. is, is this whole out uh, not only the outline but the book proposal? Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself is a, is just a, an extraordinary feat, right? And so the book pro- pro- book proposal is. Essentially, the book, right? You're talking, you know, it could be 100 plus pages. Is that is that important to have, or or if someone has an idea, do they come to Greenleaf? Do they come to you? Um, at what stage in the game for someone do they come, or, or they do they say, okay, well, I think I should submit this to Greenleaf, or I should, you know, reach out to Tanya and and see which if she can help me with that. Where, where do you think people should, you know, approach you who don't know you? Mm-hmm. Okay, you ready? It depends. <laughs> All right. And that's uh, been another edition of the All In Report. And uh, talk to you soon. <laughs> no, it, but it, all of that to say it depends means it's different for everybody. Um, let me start by saying a book proposal. Absolutely. Yes, that you can never go wrong by having one. Uh, but do you always need one? No, you definitely need one if you are looking for an agent and you want to go get a traditional New York deal where you're getting in advance and so forth. And yeah, boy, is there a lot of work that goes into that because it's usually the outline and some sample chapters and your marketing plan and a lot of research around your audience and um, how you're going to take this book to market. So all of those things, as we've already established, are important to iron out early on. And if you have it in the book proposal, it's it's your roadmap, really, towards taking the book um, not only through completion, but launching. Um, with Greenleaf Book Group, we're a little bit different in that we don't require that on the front end. We love it if somebody has that. But typically, our authors come to us a little earlier than that, where the idea is still forming, or maybe they have an outline or a manuscript that just needs some polish uh, before we can take it into retail. So we are open to working with people at any stage. And I, I have authors who come to me with just a glimmer of an idea in their eye, and they you know, say, I need your help coaching me through the writing process, or maybe they even need a ghostwriter because they just don't enjoy writing, but they've got you know, ideas coming out their ears. 
So uh, we're flexible in that regard. And then I have other people who come to us, of course, at the hub of the wheel here is distribution into retail. So I have other people who come to us with a book that's already produced and printed. And if it's something that matches our sales channels and is well done, then uh, we'll also pick up those titles just for retail distribution. Wow, there's so much there too. But I, I know we, you, you only have so much time. You got to run a business. Uh, yeah, and it, it was, it was great. It, that was a great answer. Well, that wasn't non-committal, so I'm going to give you that. So, but you did mention Greenleaf, and um, if you could, uh, if you could just maybe tell us a little bit about Greenleaf's model because I really love it. Uh, I've, you know, obviously uh, I have two publishers, right? You and and Wiley, and they're and they're completely different. Uh, I did self-publish as well. Also, um, um, I also who else uh, am I uh, with? I can't believe I'm forgetting. I did a children's book. Actually, Clint Greenleaf uh, referred me to them. But well, anyway, um, so um, tell us about the model with Greenleaf because it is unique, and I and uh, and I love it. Uh, is that is that can we do that? Of course. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to. So the, the model is unique in that it's a hybrid model that blends the attributes of self-publishing and traditional publishing. And I like to say it takes the strengths from both and eliminates the downfalls. So from the self-publishing side, um, you are investing in the production of your book. But in exchange for that, you retain all of the ownership of rights and you enjoy a larger piece of the royalties on the back end because you're putting the skin in the game. Uh, from the traditional side, we bring, of course, the retail distribution muscle that um, you normally can't get when you self-publish, but that you would find with a traditional New York house. And really the quality that you noted, that you observed on my book and everything else that we publish uh, comes from this team of experts that we have here who have been working generally in this industry for, geez, 20, 30 years. So we've got some amazing people who often come out of the New York houses and don't want to stay in New York and have come to Austin. So uh, we really blend those two. And, and of course, the brand cash that comes with uh, Greenleaf Book Group's name and the ability to get reviewed in places like Publishers Weekly, all of that good stuff draws from the traditional side of things. And uh, a lot of people who are speakers, consultants, and so forth, or otherwise use their book as a piece of intellectual property that underpins a bigger brand find that this model makes more sense for them because it is collaborative. And therefore, if there's something that's important to them from a brand perspective, they still have control over that. And they can say, oh, no, I do need that color on my cover because it's consistent with everything else I use to market my company. Or uh, I actually need to leave that case study in because that's one of my key corporate clients. You know, whatever it may be, we're so used to sort of towing this line between how to make the book work at retail for our purposes and how to also still make it true to the author's brand and their business goals. Um, that's really what I think is super unique about how we work. And also and it appeals to people who are really entrepreneurial because they like the idea of it's, it's like bootstrapping, you know, versus venture capital. They like the idea of putting their own money into it and knowing that on the back end, if all goes well, they'll make a much bigger uh, return on that than if they were to go the traditional route and take an advance and then a much smaller royalty on the back end. Yeah. And what, you know, you said uh, the last thing too, when you're talking about, you know, the investment side of it, you know, there is so much invested that doesn't necessarily mean dollars and cents in, in a book and, and, you know, the, 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 the sweat equity, the, the emotions and, and things like that that are involved. And, you know, um, 
I've realized, and uh, I think you'll agree, I, I hate to say it, but I think you'll probably agree, that really at the end of the day, the marketing of a book comes down to how hard the author is going to work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because if, if you're not willing to put in the time, the effort, and get on little podcasts like mine and, and get out there and do all the things you need to do, no matter what publisher you have, you know, the likelihood of it being a, quote, success, and we could define that so many different ways, is, is, is not very likely, right? I mean, is that, and let's just trying to be honest here. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, people will come into the office sometimes and say, so, Tanya, what's your most successful book or what's the best book? And I'll often say, you know, the, the best book, in my opinion, it, is this one, and it's not my most successful book. <laughs> right. Because, unfortunately, and sometimes life happens and things just get in the way and you you can't always time it out but um gosh if the author either doesn't have the the time or the inclination or sometimes just the nature you know it, it's it's hard for some authors to turn on that extrovert switch and get out there and hustle uh if that's not there then it can be the most amazing book in the world and nobody's going to hear about it yeah, I mean, and so I, I think that's so important as a, as a marketer, as someone who's gone through it and, and had my heart broken because I, you know, several times, multiple times, uh, because, you know, my goal uh, and still is and you know, someday uh, is to hit was to hit the New York Times. And, you know, like you said, that was just, you know, the goal that I had. But there's there, at the end of the day, though, there's been so many amazing things that have happened to me uh, as a result of, of the book and writing the book. Uh, and, and a lot of that uh, has to do, you know, with Greenleaf and the things that you've done. So I also want to thank you guys for that because, um, you know, you guys gave me my first shot and uh, it was um, pretty awesome. So thank you for that as well. Folks, again, um, we're on with Tanya Hall. I, and you know what? I, probably going to have to let her go because she's got to go run this business. But um, she has written uh, the number one new release bo- uh, book called Ideas, Influence, and Income. Write a book, build your brand, and lead your industry. You know, there's there's a lot of information out there from people that really don't know what the hell they're talking about. Let's be honest. I was trying to be as candid as I can today on this program, and and um, she does. <laughs> you know, so she you know started out in the entertainment industry, transitioned over to the publishing industry, so she really knows what we're talking about as it relates to building, you know, your brand and how to grow your brand and writing a book, you know, cause I've done it, uh, is really, really, um, a big part of it, especially if it is with a group like Greenleaf that is going to get you in places like we, we didn't even spend a lot of time talking about, I remember the phone call I got Tanya from one of your, one of your salespeople saying, Hey Mike, you just got into Barnes and Noble. And I remember being so excited, but I also remember saying to myself, well, pfft, I mean, isn't that automatic? And it's not. (laughs) You know, it's not automatic, right? So, um, you know, she really knows what she's doing. She's been doing it for a long time. So if 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 you're a current author... Uh, if you're thinking about writing a book, if you're in the middle uh, of, of writing the book, this is something um, that you definitely want to pick up. If you are a uh, out there and you're just building your personal brand as well and you want to know what it takes to, to bring it to the next level, this is also a great book for that. It's going to give you you know, a lot of those ideas um, to help legitimize uh, your brand as well. So if you want some more information, you, you can just go to Ideas, Influence, and Income um, you can also find Tanya at Tanya Hall, uh, and you can also just Google her. Uh, you can just Google Tanya Hall, and she's going to pop up. She's everywhere. She's you know she's written stuff for Inc. and some other places as well. She speaks all over the place, doing some great things. Tanya, um, thanks so much for for being on and, and being my guest, and also again thanks for all the things that you guys have done for me and even continue uh, to do for me. And I'll give a little shout out to Steve Elizalde as well because he's a great guy. And uh, my name is Michael Alden, and we'll see you soon. 
You can also find Tanya at Tanya Hall. Uh, and you can also just Google her. Uh, you can just Google Tanya Hall, and she's going to pop up. She's everywhere. She's, you know, she's written stuff for Inc. and some other places as well. She speaks all over the place, doing some great things. Tanya, um, thanks so much for, for being on and, and being my guest. And also, again, thanks for all the things that you guys have done for me and even continue uh, to do for me. And I'll give a little shout-out to Steve Elizaldi as well because he's a great guy. And uh, my name is Michael Alden, and we'll see you soon.